Hello, listeners. There are some clerical errors in today's Retro Encounter episode, all for scheduling reasons. The episode recorded in late February, but eventually got pushed back a few weeks. As such, in the episode I say it's 180, but really it's episode 182, and next week we're posting our first East the Oath and Felgana episode, and not a Lufia 2 Rise of the Sinistrals episode. And also, later this month is an episode on mini consoles, and not a Kingdom Hearts 3 spoiler cast. Most of those happened already. Sorry for the confusion. Here is episode 182 of Retro Encounter. Episode 180 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast. I'm Mike Solosi, and today, uh, joining me on a little bit of job hunting, we have Peter Treisenberg. Hi, Peter Treisenberg, resident Catmancer. Nice. Meow. <laughs> okay, and uh, joining the Catmancer and I is Greg Delmage. Hi, my name is Greg Delmage. I will be uh, the Daddyator. It's my class. OC, do not steal. <laughs> I think we stunned Mike into silence. <laughs> Would you prefer Dad Barian? I don't know. No, I think I I'm like just going to um, cut out every line of Greg's dialogue and for the whole podcast. <laughs> wow, after all that trouble. After all. <laughs> Joining Greg, Peter, and I is Audra Bowling. Oh, hi. Uh, Audra, resident is- freelancer, I guess. <laughs> Right on. Uh, Audra, this is your first podcast with RPG fans, so uh, let me say welcome. Oh, thank you. Now, job systems, class systems, uh, however you exactly want to identify them, uh, crown systems in one game on our Google Doc here. Uh, <laughs> basically, uh, every RPG has some way of managing stats and skills, and sometimes they layer that with a job system. Uh uh, assigning characters specific titles or jobs or classes to affect their stats and skills and role in gameplay. Uh, now, every listener that we have here has probably played at least one game with a job system on it, so I don't want to go over long into explaining what those are. But in in general, um, the first job system in a game like this took place in the very first RPG of all, in Dungeons & Dragons, where you would choose, I think it was fighter, cleric, mage, thief, at the very beginning of a session, and that would affect what uh, skills you learned and spells you learned, and what stat gains you had. And in the very first RPGs, which were based on Dungeons & Dragons, like uh, Ultima and Wizardry, you would do the same thing. You would choose a race and class at the beginning of the game, and that affected your stat gains and some of the things you could learn. And... Uh, a few, several years after Ultima and Wizardry, the very first Japanese RPGs, um, Dragon Quest and then uh, Final Fantasy, which came after Dragon Quest II, uh, each of those had a lot of influence from Ultima and Wizardry and basically created the earliest tropes of Japanese RPGs from, uh, like, from the inception. And both of those series ended up playing around with job systems a lot over their lifetimes. Um, so... Uh, gentlemen and lady, I think uh, 
all of us have played at least several Final Fantasy games. Where I'm not, I'm not going to try and gatekeep you with, well, wh- what do you think of their second album? Kind of uh, conversations here, but it, it's su- it sucks. Nobody likes that one. <laughs> <laughs> you, you say that, but but Kawazu defenders are out there, man. I know, I know. I've I've I've, I've met a couple of them. They're very nice people. <laughs> but. Uh, Oversimplifying a little bit, uh, Final Fantasies 1, 3, 5, 10, 2, 11, 12, Zodiac Age, and 14, maybe also 13, but I don't really understand the class system in 13. All of those have some variety, some variant of a JRPG class system. In Final Fantasy 1, you chose a party of four characters between six classes and played the entire game with those same four characters. Uh, and uh, But you could upgrade classes ar- around the midpoint of the game. But uh, several years later, or just a few years later, Final Fantasy III, you have four main characters that, that all start out as the Onion Kid class, and then you can change their classes in menus between battles in what, in, uh, that allowed for, you know party customization beyond the very first choice of the game. So, uh, uh, Audra, I'm going to pick on you a little bit. Is there a Final Fantasy okay. class system that, uh, that, that, you're, that is maybe your favorite or is a, a, a particularly interesting one to you? Well, actually, I quite like the 10-2 variation on it with the dress spheres and garment grid. Yes. I thought it was an interesting way to implement job system, especially since you could change them in battle. Oh, so so they do change in battle. So it's a, a little mm-hmm. bit like a little bit like thirteen that you can. Yeah. Which makes sense considering they have a they have a, the same director. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. Matomu Toriyama. Um, he got his he got his start at Square working at a uh, uh, working on mini games for like FF Seven and stuff. But um, his directorial debut was Ten Two. Um, and it, I think it kind of leaves a, a mark on the series that he would uh, kind of go on to elaborate on with 13 and its sequels. Right on. And, Definitely. Um, one other thing about job systems, in at least in Japanese RPGs especially, is that I think they add a layer of visual interest. For a lot of them, that'll change your character's appearance. And 10-2 really goes uh, full bore into that. Because, <laughs> yeah, um, they... I mean, I mean, you're playing dress-up with these three main characters, and uh, the... The dress spheres can get pretty. I mean, I'm not that familiar with Ten Two. I'd only played the very beginning of it. But the different costume changes can get pretty elaborate, right? Yeah, they can get pretty elaborate and pretty silly, even with like the mascot ones. And one thing again, I've, I I don't maybe I'm misremembering part of the Ten Two battles, uh, part of the Ten Two battle system and job system, I guess. But in most Final Fantasy games. Uh, jobs are like something you change in a menu. They're almost like an equipable item. Like you, you, you take your job system on and off, your your job on mm-hmm. and off, and uh, and tweak it around, and customize it a little bit. But it's it's not really connected to, uh, to equipment and weapons. Like you know, a, like a da- a dancer and a knight can equip the same uh, knife or short sword. But in in ten two, like the 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 dress sphere system replaces a lot of equipment. Is that right? Yeah, you only actually have accessories that you can equip to characters. Everything else is automatically with the dress spear. So if you picked warrior, you'd automatically have a sword and stats mm. for warrior. So you don't get to collect swords or keyblades in this game. I don't know if I'm into this. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, that takes out one of the main appeals of the game, probably. Mm. That was about 70% of why I powered through to the end of Kingdom Hearts 1, was because I wanted to collect the last couple keyblades. 
Yeah. I mean, in Kingdom Hearts 3, the Keyblades transform, so maybe that's a class system? I don't know. Because one, uh, one, one of them turns into a shield, and another one turns into a gun. I'm calling it right now. We are not having a Kingdom Hearts <laughs> section in this podcast. Just, uh, you know, just throwing that out there. Um, oh, well. Stay, staying, in Final, staying in Final Fantasy land right now. Um, uh, yeah, I, the... I remember liking the menus in Ten Two and thinking the dress sphere system was interesting. Um, do, do you think it loses anything by replacing the equipment system, or is it, you know, and uh, and uh, do you basically just get a trickle of new dresses through the whole game, or uh, like are there quests to unlock more? How how does the uh, how does the job system in Ten Two how do the dress spheres in Ten Two uh, work throughout the whole game? You actually gain more as you progress through the story, and I think there's extra ones that you can find. Not, I don't remember exactly. Okay, how but that it's works. but it's not totally married to the plot like most of them in Final Fantasy V. No, it's not really. You don't stumble upon a crystal and gain more <laughs> abilities. Right, and I guess backtracking a little bit in Final Fantasy III and V, both of them, you basically get uh, several job uh, jobs or classes throughout the game, and um, and in V, it's every time you. Uh, get to a new plot event that's related to one of the crystals you get between like four and six new jobs and that's a lot of the skill like the skill progression and visual interest of the game because i mean i mean the the the, fi- the main characters of five uh each have a distinct look when you when you when you change class unlike three the onion kids are i think each a different color but um at least in the nest version of ff3 the classes all look identical when you, yeah. you know, when you change into them, but in five it's like you know Galoof as a knight versus Lena as a knight versus uh, Butts as a knight. They're you know it's clearly those three characters dressed up in the in similar armor, and the visual interest of changing costumes is uh, a, a a lot of the fun of it. Which uh, which which brings me to um, uh, the recent FF12 remake. Uh, Peter, you were on that episode where we discussed that a lot. The, um, that, yeah. that that class system. Is a little. It's almost like halfway between the old D and D way and the Final Fantasy way, because you do choose a class at the beginning, but then you can subclass and multiclass later. Yeah, in the in the vanilla release, the license board was really open ended, um, which has kind of been a running trend in some later Final Fantasy games. Um, but it almost gave you a little too much freedom, and you'd end up with basically you'd end up at the end of the game with three paladins because that's the best way to go. Is you have a white magic using tank. Yeah. Um, yeah. Heavy armor and enough healing to get around, basically. <laughs> exactly. Now, so what they did, what they did for the international release um, was the Zodiac job system, which is a brilliant way of basically your character picks out um, an, an, uh, their own unique license board based on one of the Zodiac signs that is tied to a specific Final Fantasy job class, and once they pick it, they're stuck with that for the whole game. So. Kind of like Final Fantasy One, where you have to go through and you're kind of you're kind of stuck on the path you choose from the outset, but you do have a little bit of freedom to customize and level up within those constraints, and it sort of lets you customize your party a little more to your liking. Um, now, what J- Zodiac Age did, which is probably one, this is Zodiac Age is like one of the best re-releases like ever because they added this ability, the ability to subclass. So now you can do. You can you can have like a black mage who knows how to use bows or create something crazy like that. And, 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 um, and well, the subclassing thing isn't isn't new to the Zodiac job system release. It's the it's the uh, FF12 International Edition that was released a couple years after the original PS2. 
but no, but um, they didn't have subclassing in that version. Oh, they they, they only had the, the, the only, starting classes and not they only had the, they only had the starting classes in the original version. They added the dual classes for Zodiac Age. Okay, so okay. like eleven and tactics, kind of yeah, a little. Well, it's, it's heavily inspired by tactics. Uh, I mean, and a lot a lot of these um, jobs are because um, I mean they're both Evil East World games and uh, 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 you know, what's his name? Um, you know who I mean the the, the guy who did. Yeah, Matsuno. Yeah, yeah. They're they're both Matsuno games, and they're both Evil East games. So there there is a through line there. But uh, how, how does subclassing work exactly? In Zodiac Age, you you basically after a certain point in the game, you're allowed to pick a second job board. Um, I think you have to unlock a certain tile on your first job board to get that second class. Um, but once you do, you're allowed to pick another another Zodiac symbol that's different from the one you already chose, and. Um, from there, you can interchangeably level up between the two. You have a pooled source of JP that you, um, or LP. I don't even remember. Whatever. It's been a while since I played Final Fantasy XII. But uh, you you have a shared pool you can spend on to get new uh, uh, new licenses as you go through. And it really opens up how you're able to customize your character. Cool. And, well, um, I don't know if we have any Final Fantasy XI players here, but uh, I know we definitely have some people that have dabbled in FF14. Uh, Final Fantasy XIV's job system is weirdly uh, like a lot of the other Final Fantasy ones, but also kind of a lot like Dragon Quest III or Dragon Quest IX, because your main character levels up, has a separate level up or a separate experience bar for every single job. And uh, if you start out as a level one pugilist and decide to, to change jobs to be a uh, to be a level one con to be a conjurer, you go back to level one. But if you switch back to pugilist, you keep the same level you were at before. So every uh, unlike Final Fantasy V, where you have a base level and then can switch jobs willy nilly, in Final Fantasy XIV, you are the level of your job and not the level of your character, which is interesting. But then gets better and better and more interesting the more you level up because you can. Uh, uh, some jobs upgrade, so I should say, some starting classes upgrade into more powerful jobs. Uh, every job has a quest line and story connection that's unrelated to the main story, but uh, but oh, yields yeah. but yields powerful skills and armor. So uh, when I my path when I first played Final Fantasy XIV, and I apologize if I've mentioned this in other podcasts, is I started out as a pugilist in the big desert city, but then when I tried other classes, I realized that my favorite class was probably warrior. So I switched to war- so when I was around a level twenty pugilist, I switched back to warrior and then grinded a little bit to, to start doing main jobs as a warrior instead of a, I'm sorry as a uh, as a marauder instead of a pugilist. But then at level thirty, when your job when your starting job can upgrade, I uh, I leveled up pugilist some more and changed my level thirty pugilist to a level thirty monk and my level thirty marauder to a level thirty warrior. And uh, and they gave me a bunch of new shiny armor and a, and uh, and a new region to explore. And I um, basically for the first fifty levels of uh, Final Fantasy XIV: A Realm Reborn, you can do a class you do a class quest every five levels. So oh, and wow. they and they have I think something like oh shoot I want to say nine or ten starting classes in just Realm Reborn, and then each each expansion added uh, two or three others. So. As you play through Final Fantasy XIV's story, and it's an enormous, interesting game world and game story, you're also like exploring the different, you know, the different ancient orders of warriors and monks and black mages and what have you, <laughs> as you choose a job or or multiple jobs or all the jobs and level them up. And and there is a there is some level of inner job uh, 
connectivity. Like there was a something called cross-classing where there was a uh, where you could you could learn the jobs. I'm sorry, learn skills you had learned in other jobs uh, as you were leveling up your main job. Um, there was one black mage skill that every other mage uh, class, every other mage job really needs ones that one that uh, um, reduces your casting time. <laughs> so like like so sometimes cross classing and cross class skills get a little bit. Uh, uh, are are a little limited, but still the the FF14 job system, especially since they tie it to story and they give you an enormous amount of freedom, is really really awesome. And I haven't played Final Fantasy 14 in over a year, but part of my I think about going back to that game like practically monthly just because I want to try out some of the jobs I never really got to, like uh, like Dark Knight and Machinist. Okay, that was a lot of Final Fantasy we just talked about for about 20 minutes. Um. But Peter, one thing you went back to, you mentioned a little while ago, was that in uh, Final Fantasy XII, a lot of the, uh, in the old license board system, sort of everyone had the same skill set. And then, uh, but it was generally an improvement when they went on to um, the international version and the, Zodi and the uh, Zodiac job system later on. Uh, and again, there's several Final Fantasy games that we haven't mentioned that don't really have traditional job systems. Like, in Final Fantasy IV, basically everyone in that game is a job from Final Fantasy III. Right. <laughs> and and in, uh, in Final Fantasy VI, um, the characters don't really have jobs, but they um, have a shared skill system and then a unique uh, skill system, which may or may not tie back to an old Final Fantasy III or V job. But in in uh and in seven and eight the characters are uh the characters are unique but um but their skills are basically sh uh, shared and can be manipulated. And yeah, it, you get freedom that way with. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, basically total freedom and not and where uh, a job system might be limiting to you know whatever job that they're in at the time. And nine is like four, where everyone every character in that game feels like a a job from Final Fantasy Five. Right. But, what what do we like more? Um, do we want the total freedom, but also sort of homogeneity of the seven eight uh, old twelve, or do we like the you know costume changes, um, the the uh, like the, the skill exchanges, and different different visuals, but also more confined nature of five ten two zodiac age. I do really love um. Uh, the job I, I, I love job systems because I like like tinkering with abilities and kind of like figuring out like builds for those I think though that's a lot of fun I think that's part of the appeal of those systems for me um, and coming up with just bizarre party um, uh, co compositions is really fun and figuring out how each class can complement the the strengths and weaknesses of the team um all, the, all those things are big draws to that for me. And I, um, the Bravely games, we mentioned them a little bit like offhand earlier with my cat, our camp answer joke. Those games do a really good job of that, as does um, Four Heroes of Light, which is kind of final. It's kind of Bravely Zero. Yeah, well, it, it is. It's this, it's um, some of the same design team. The uh, the merchant character in the in the Bravely games is was also in Four Heroes of Light. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and the Bravely games don't have Final Fantasy in the title, but you do use Phoenix Downs and White Mages and Black Mages. So it's a uh, it, it, those two. The Bravely duo is Final Fantasy almost in all but name. Uh, so Audra, 
um, Final Fantasy games with job systems versus Final Fantasy games without, what, is there a preference you have or uh, strengths and weaknesses that are worth discussing? Well, I do love the strategy behind and customization behind job systems in general and coming up with really neat parties just with mix, makeup of that. I, But I kind of do like my first Final Fantasy game was Final Fantasy VII and I really enjoyed using the material. So it's, I don't know, I think there's merits to both. Yeah, um, the materia system and the uh, GF uh, draw system in 8, I, I, I don't know, you still had the visual interest of characters looking very different, but uh, by the late game, I, I, I felt like my characters were too the, too much the same. But it's still like uh, getting a new GF or getting a new materia and uh, and and exploring its powers is really cool and interesting. Like like uh, getting a new materia is better, um, maybe better than getting a cool new weapon or armor in Final Fantasy VII. And we we know the the rush of finding a treasure chest in an RPG. All three of us. <laughs> yeah. But. I don't know. Personally, I I always want my characters to feel unique, and um, in if I customize themself, if if I customize them myself with a job system, then I'll get I'll have weird feelings like uh, getting really attached to my generics and Final Fantasy tactics. But then again, um, even if characters can change costumes, uh, is that really a level of vi- of uniqueness that's uh, that's better than having a fully realized character like the cast of FF7 or FF8? Uh, Greg, are you back with us? I am. Okay. Are you going to stay with us this time? Um, yeah, I completely rebooted my network, so hopefully that does it now. Okay, you are coming in loud and clear, and that's good. So... I mean, that's a lot of talk about Final Fantasy job systems. I'm worried that we've been focusing on Square too much on the podcast already, and here we are, 20 minutes into Final Fantasy alone. Um, but do, well, do they you, did a lot. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're an influential group, those uh, those Square Enixians. But the, uh, do any of us have a favorite individual job from any Final Fantasy game? Not an entire system, just a job. Uh, uh, starting with you, Greg, do you have, do you have a, a favorite Final Fantasy job? There's, I don't know, it's a tough call because I enjoy each job I find in each of the games has brought something different, but I have always enjoyed the power of uh, the dancer job in Final Fantasy Tactics. I just love the random benefits they give out or hindrances. And uh, same with the Bard, I guess. They both kind of fall in that, just blanketing everybody with random powers, and I just have always enjoyed that among, aspect among the most of that sec- job. Among the most sexist jobs in Final Fantasy history. <laughs> right? I don't see why in Tactics, yeah, you couldn't go back and forth, because you could in 5, but not in that one for some reason. But, but I mean, and it's, it's a fact of life. It's a fact of life. Men cannot dance and women cannot sing. I mean, Final Apparently. Fantasy ta- Final <laughs> Tactics taught me this. <laughs> but yeah, I've enjoyed them uh, as far as what the classes functionally do. Beyond their uh, sexist appeal, uh, I enjoy them a lot. Uh, Peter, do you have a favorite Final Fantasy job? The, oh, that's a tough. That is a tough one. Um, I, I'm probably would have to go with Dark Knight. Um, in general, I love the. For one thing, I just I Final Fantasy four. Um, the whole Cecil beginning the game as a Dark Knight and going through his little arc to become a Paladin is is one of my favorite moments in the series. But um. Just in general, I like the give and take of the Dark Knight class, how it's like their main gimmick is they sacrifice HP to do powerful attacks. So you're kind of go, kind of putting yourself into a critical state to deal damage. It's one of the most powerful classes in 10-2, going back to 
uh, game we talked about earlier. That's one of the optional dress spheres that's really worth hunting down. <laughs> um, Dark Knight is also a class in FF14. It was introduced in the Heavensward expansion. And I know it for a while it was the main of our coworker Liz Moss. <laughs> yeah, it's I, a but... pretty it, it's a pretty sick design. I've seen the artwork from Heavensward, and that was around the time I was like, maybe I should play this game, but I can't afford it. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I oh, shoot, I stopped playing right before the Heavensward content, so I never got to try Dark Knight. And uh, and my favorite job was Warrior, and the, uh, it, which is also a tanking class. So. Sadly, I never got. I, I was really interested in trying it, but I never got to. Uh, Audra, do you have a favorite Final Fantasy class or job? Yes, Geomancer. Oh, you okay. Get yeah. with, you get to fight with spells, and you get free terrain spells. <laughs> the FF5 so Geomancer <laughs> is. Uh, they're all dressed in pajamas and fight with bells, which I never totally it's so got. So weird. It's like, are they supposed to be dream mancers? Because. <laughs> Because I mean, bells would wake you up, and I, I don't, I don't know. But but th that ter those terrain skills are really powerful, and they're nice because they use uh they use magic stats, but not MP. Yeah. So if you wanna if you wanna throw one on a on a white mage, so you uh you know so they can actually do some damage. Uh, um, the the uh, elemental or geomancer skill is really good for that. And FF5 is probably the best FF geomancer. The tactics geomancer is a disappointment. It, yeah. Yeah, they're. they're, I they're still have fun very with neat. The DS version of three. But right. Oh yeah. They, uh. Yeah, they are pretty good in the three in the three remake. But in I don't know if I used the class in three when I played it. <laughs> no, I, I tried all the classes in three, and and I think Geomancer was pretty good there. But it's in in FF Tactics. It's weird. They use their attack and magic stats combined with bad multipliers, and uh. But it's. It, it's Random status effects are helpful though. Yeah, but, but yeah, but there are there are many classes that are way better at uh, at at manipulating that stuff than the geomancer. But but I, th I think valid. it's a yeah. it, it's a really below average class in, t in tactics, but but very 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 useful in five, both in its own and, and in throwing geomancery on another class. Uh, well, if I guess it's my turn, um, I think dragoons are cool. <laughs> in Final Fantasy IV, uh, like. Cane jumping seemed was seemed great in Final Fantasy V. The uh, you, jumping is still cool, and the the the, uh, the sort of dragon uh, drain attack that you can uh, that you can learn is really effective at times. And uh, in fourteen, dra dragoons are cool also. The, uh, the the whole quest line is sort of sort of hunting this legendary murderous dragoon while while mastering the spear yourself. It's a oh, it's neat. a cool storyline. I, I only got. Uh, to level thirty-five as a dragoon, I think, and um, and again the the level caps in that game are fifty for Realm Reborn, then sixty, seventy, eighty for the inspect for the expansions. And right from the get-go with Kane, like they've always had a very neat design. I was drawn to them in tactics for just how cool their armor and everything looks. Yeah, just cool armor, dragon helmets, uh, dramatic leaps and spear dives. I, right. I was I was very attracted to that from the beginning, and. Uh, I don't know if I like damage classes more than uh, more than tank classes in fourteen. I would have I would have gone harder into Lancer and Dragoon, but hmm. but uh, there we are. Uh, Final Fantasy has a lot of uh, a lot of different interest in their job systems, and uh, you know we didn't really mention these in the in in the uh, the the strategy RPG Final Fantasy games. Um, they they also include race as well as class, and some classes are restricted to races, and that allows another layer of. Uh, of of customization like with your uh what is it was Viera Banga Numo and 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 Moogle was there another one I'm forgetting No I think you got them all Okay Uh 
the race customization in Tactics Advance and, and A2, and also, I guess, in 11 and 14, um, is it... I, I, I don't know much about A2. Do they uh, limit certain jobs to certain races in that one, too? I don't know, honestly. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Because, I, uh, I mean, to completely jump series for a second, in, uh, in, in the early days of World of Warcraft... There was a uh, a lot of limited uh, 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 jobs. Like I think I think only um, only horde could be shamans, and only alliance could be paladins, and the only and only one class could uh, could be oh shoot I don't remember. Like it was extremely limited what uh, what classes could be what could be what jobs. But they got but they moved further and further away from that with every expansion. They they added more jobs and made them more available to more races with every game and now I think you can even have a Tauren rogue where for decades like Tauren was the only class that couldn't be a rogue um, I don't know I've always liked that personally so, so you, think, you think the limitation is a is a benefit and not a uh, and not a, you know not a negative I don't know um, it's tough because I, I appreciate player customization having players be able to do whatever they want however they want like I mean 14 lets everybody be everything and on the last episode of random we briefly touched on the fact that like the races don't really have any difference stat wise so if it's not going to be a big difference stat wise then it's kind of neat to make the classes matter or the races matter in another way so I like that aspect of just making it a conscious choice as opposed to just cosmetics. Yeah, I don't. Sense. I don't know. It's um, like having race benefits. Like in in uh, I know that in World of Warcraft, uh, for example, the uh, trolls have extra regeneration, mm. and uh, and dwarves have a little bit of extra magic resistance. Like things like that. Like that's neat, but that also gets people a little bit too married to a meta. Like like uh, um, like what do I you suppose. mean? Yeah, like what do you mean you're a uh, you're you're a troll shaman? That sucks. You should be an orc shaman. We're not gonna let the troll shaman in our in our guild kind of nonsense. I, I don't know if that's good or bad. I just was Yeah. Up, that was a made up example. But I see I, what you're saying there from the meta point of view if people start um, like, gatekeeping on that. That is rough. Like like when you're playing a single player game and designing a team Making it so that the team is more diverse, and you have to make more choices and limitations force you to make choices. I think that's good. But then, if you come to the bridge of, but I want to be a, uh, uh, I don't know, I'm gonna make something up. I want to be an orc paladin. What do you mean I can't be an orc paladin? I mean that sucks because that's a choice that you want to make and that the game is preventing you from making. It's true, although it could be neat to have some sort of like far flung like, I don't know, race uh, quest or something like that where they have to unlock it in a specific way could be neat, but... Yeah. Or some... It also can boil down to, like, how the developers balance those classes, too, because, like, meta... I think meta... Like, yeah, gatekeeping sucks, but meta players also try to find... Like, people try to mid-max characters. Yeah. Which a lot of time, yeah. They've been doing that since D&D days. What, what were you saying, uh, Audra? Oh, well, actually, I think, especially for single-player... It- really can be interesting either way when you think about how much customization and thought you have to put into the different races and different jobs on the same time you kind of want to do what you want to do yeah right it's fun it's yeah, there, fun that way yeah, there's, there's, there's strengths and weaknesses to it but i i don't know when i, when I played final fantasy tactics advanced which is a game i have a lot of uh gripes with um i i didn't like being uh Things being limited to certain to certain races or classes, I, I wanted I wanted my team a certain way, and a few times they would let me make that team a certain way, and I found that I found that irritating. So something that allows 
more freedom like uh, like Final Fantasy XIV or Final Fantasy Tactics, which uh, which has really no limitations other than a few uh, gendered items and classes. Uh, I, I I generally like that more. Yeah. Yeah, and that's totally fair. It's uh, I mean each game brings its own different thing to it, and yeah, you either will like it or you don't. We alluded to these before, but uh, Square does have uh, three handheld uh, RPGs that really explore the job system in some interesting ways. Final Fantasy IV Heroes of Light, Bravely Default, and Bravely Second, which were all made by Silicon Studio for the uh, DS, then 3DS, then 3DS again. Uh, Peter, I know you've played Bravely Default. One thing that Bravely Default and Bravely Second do really well is sort of class experimentation. Uh, do, do you have a favorite combination or something from those games? Uh, it's been a while since I played the first games. I'm trying to look back, but I loved the um, just some of the bizarre classes from Bravely Second. Like we already alluded to Cat <laughs> Panther. Um, I love the uh, the pastry chef class. Like mm-hmm. that was just I'm gonna make a whole, whole party of pastry chefs, and you cannot stop me. Game pastry. <laughs> those pastry skills get super good in Bravely Second because they're the best way to lower el- enemy elemental resistances and uh, and defenses and. Oh boy, you can set up, you can set up some sick combos starting with a with a pastry chef or maybe it's patissier skill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the the localized name or whatever. But yeah, um, I think in original Bravery Default, I know I had at least one Dark Knight in my party because that's my go-to. I think I made Tiz a Dark Knight, um, Black Mage, a Black Mage, a White Mage, which is usually my regular party comp, and I cannot remember who my fourth slot was. But I like to have a wild card, so I probably did something bizarre with it. I don't. It's just been a while. <laughs> My I, also, pipe- I say I also really like the crown system in Four Heroes of Light. How you had to like basically your job is the hat you put on uh, changes your job, and then you level it up with little gemstones you find. Uh, that was a that was a fun, cute system. Yeah, that was a good way of uh, of putting them on it. Was it was it a were they hats or crowns or maybe just like was there just a king class that had a crown? I mean, I mean they called them crown. They called it. I mean, they called them crowns. But right. uh, let's yeah. be real. Some yeah, of those were stretching it. the definition a bit. They were they they were hats. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> they were yeah. They could have just called them hats. And that was kind of I found after doing bravely default and then going back to four heroes of light. As much as I enjoyed having uh, different classes to dive into, the fact that you can't mix them, I found very disappointing. Yeah, yeah uh, it's a little simpler. Bravely sure. Default does a better uh, version of it, where you have your base class and all the skills and abilities of the base class, and then you get, I think it's um, something like five or six points, and then uh, and and skills that you learn in yeah. other classes have different point values, so you can you know, spend your points on skills that you learned in other classes for the class that you currently have equipped. It's it's a you know a little bit like the Final Fantasy Tactics system of uh, of you know of secondary reaction support movement, but in in a way that I, I felt. You know, had you making interesting choices. Um, my favorite Bravely Default setup is so boring. Uh, the Final Knight skill lets you do a super attack that's based on your defense and not your and not your attack stat. So I I would just load up a knight with as many defensive bonuses as I could and equip, have him equip two shields uh, <laughs> instead right. of two weapons, and then just uh, spa- and then spam that attack and have my other. Uh, m- my other three characters uh, boosting him or weakening enemies or generating more brave points so I could use that skill more often. It was a I... it, it, it was a strange way of doing it, but it, uh, I, I just loved the idea of, an, of two unkillable knights like just charging forward with only shields and then two mages or, or pop or uh, um, oh shoot, what was the uh, what was the pop idol class in that one called? I forget actually. 
Performer. That's what it was called. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was, yeah, called, it was right. called the Performer class, and your character dressed up as a pop idol, and your songs uh, could create all kinds of bonus. Would basically inspire the rest of the party to. Oh, with you bonus, said with bonuses. <laughs> you said pop idol. For some yes. reason, I heard pop eye, and I'm like, no. um. <laughs> Popeye no. the Sailor Man. <laughs> that is entirely. I'm strong to the finish because I eat me spinach. But no, uh, <laughs> you, you do not do that in any Final Fantasy game, to my knowledge. Um, even though there are there are some very dashing pirate characters. I'm, yeah. I'm of course talking about Ferris and no one else. Um, <laughs> but that was the nice thing about uh, being able to mix both in tactics and in bravely default and everything is yeah mixing the different skills to find ways i guess to kind of break the system in some ways like i had young yes as a a monk and whenever she killed someone she regained her uh, her bp from i think the red mage um subset so like i would just have her basically spamming out uh, all her bp and then murdering everything and recharging it all and just basically doing that every turn and it was disgusting yeah, the red mage has a lot of weird tricks in Bravely Default. I know the the most efficient way to get a ton of BP is to have someone with some red mage skills poison themselves. In which case, instead of losing a BP every turn, I think they'll gain two if they uh, oh, if, if you can if you can set it up if you can set it up right. But so uh, yeah, if you want to if you want to just like. Uh, like, there's so much weird trickery in Bravely Default and Bravely Second. Uh, we mentioned the Patissier and the Catmancer in Bravely Second. And also, Peter, Loki, the Catmancer in Bravely Second, isn't like a weird mage that summons cats. They're like a badass berserker class that fights with fists and can summon cats. And that's that's just my, like, aspiration in life. So. <laughs> and, and I think the, the Catmancers dress up as maids and butlers. If I'm, if I like, like you, like you do, Japan, like you right. do. Uh, sure, <laughs> so, but it's yeah. It's, there's some weird visual choices in Bravely Second, but uh, in Bravely Second, there's also a a class that's like not exactly undead, but like a, uh, a you know a heavily armored class that where you can sort of uh, separate your spirit from your body and do a bunch of weird tricks. Um, there's uh oh boy uh. Uh, they add, added a like second white mage and second black mage class in Bravely Second that uh, that that allows for you know powering up your previous spells and doing all kinds of weird tricks. Like like they really want you to break the game in those and exploit oh, sure. and exploit the class system. Not quite as brutal as calculators in Final Fantasy Tactics or the entire Disgaea series, but there's a, <laughs> a lot of crazy job trickery that I enjoyed very very much when I played Bravely Second. Oh, heck yeah. At the very beginning of the episode, we mentioned that the other seminal RPG series that was first inspired by Wizardry and Ultima was Dragon Quest. And about half of the Dragon Quest games um, really rely on a class system heavily. Uh, Dragon Quest III uh, has you ch uh, gives you a hero character on the outset, and then the rest of your party, you hire sort of generic uh, job characters that you name yourself and can... Uh, the, there's not really much customization in the original Dra uh, Dragon Quest three, but for changing jobs, you have them reincarnate back to level one at the Tower of Dharma, which was renamed All Trades Abbey in other games. And so, and I think the idea of sort of building karma with one class gives you makes you stronger when you reincarnate through Dharma. There's some kind of Buddhist analogy there that I don't fully understand. Um, <laughs> but then in, in in Dragon Quest six and seven, they make it a little bit more like say Final Fantasy V where you just assign jobs to characters and um, eventually they'll learn more job skills and uh, 
and then become stronger when you have them change, change jobs again. But there's also a weird job hierarchy in that game. Like, you, uh, you need to master these two jobs to unlock this third job and and whatnot, and there's multiple tiers of jobs. And in, in Dragon Quest VI especially, you can get really overpowered if you have someone master more than one advanced job. Because you, because you don't have to, you don't customize by choosing what skills you learned from a previous job. You get all of the skills you've learned in previous jobs and learn them. Oh wow, that is and really, learn them permanently. That is very powerful. And in, in seven was like six, where they uh, you would um, learn everything from previous job systems uh, from previous jobs that you mastered, but they changed it for the 3DS version. So. Uh, Basically, there's three tiers of jobs, sort of like a begin, beginner, intermediate, advanced. And f and uh, whenever you master a beginner job, you remember all of those skills permanently. So every, you, it's easy to have everyone learn, you know, heal and such, and uh, and keep that on to the end. But um, you don't permanently learn intermediate jobs, intermediate job skills. But when you eventually get to unlock advanced ones, and again, this is just for the 3DS remake of Seven, um, the first level or or two of uh, of any advanced job in Dragon Quest VII will have you learn a bunch of end-tier skills from the intermediate jobs uh, again. Oh, so that's neat. Yeah, so it's not like it's not like when you master Pirate, which is intermediate, you you get to you lose the Tidal Wave skill forever because uh, like Tidal Wave and Sword Dance, I think Pirate gets both of those and they're both great. But no, um, uh, I think like two of the three advanced classes learn Tidal Wave or Sword Dance, so you don't lose them forever. It's a uh, it uh it was it was weird at first because I I, was, I thought when I first played um the 3ds remake of Dragon Quest VII I thought I was gonna make super, a super team of heroes that knew every single skill like I did when I played uh, Dragon Quest VI but no they they changed it a little bit but also that forces you to make choices in right. uh, instead of being able to just make a super team of everything and uh, it's again a good balancing act. yeah yeah it's it's a good it's a good I think it was a smart choice like like uh, they like make People customize their party instead of uh, just grind as much as possible so everyone learns everything and uh, and 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 is at the most statistically advantageous class. Uh, the, the Dragon Quest VII 3DS remake is very very good, but um, don't expect it to be to play have a class system like the PS1 version or like Dragon Quest VI. I feel like that's doing the players a service too of of uh, I guess discouraging you to put that much time into it where you probably would have been like, all right, I'm set up to grind for the next however many hours and master everything, whereas you're like, oh, I guess I don't have to now. Yeah, and also uh, the remake of Seven adds uh, has characters change appearance based on their based on the job, which is Ooh, uh, which, which something that was not in uh, Dragon Quest Six or Seven. It was in Dragon Quest Three. When you reincarnated, you, you your character completely changed, and there was a different male and female sprite for each job. Um, but in uh, in six and seven, the characters always looked the same, at least in the starting version. But the 3DS remake of seven has characters basically changing costumes, like Final Fantasy V, and uh, and I think that that's cool. Even though I I wished they looked maybe a little bit less silly in certain classes. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. But but uh, and and also the level of vision, like uh um. Uh, rough in that game is a little boy riding a wolf, and so having a little having someone riding a wolf and changing classes to knight and hero, I thought was more interesting than Dragon Quest usually is for how their characters look. Uh, but then you get to Dragon Quest Nine, and they do the it, it's Nine is heavily inspired by Dragon Quest Three. Dragon Quest Three is was sort of the most popular Dragon Quest for years and years and years until Eight got huge. But uh, Nine is heavily inspired by Three. It has, um, I think. Uh, 
something like six of the eight Dragon Quest three jobs, and then gives and then up uh, another set of six upgraded jobs that were from six and seven. And uh, but it's like fourteen Final Fantasy fourteen in that whenever you change jobs, you reincarnate back to level one, and each job has a separate leveling path. But uh, uh, unlike Dragon Quest three, there is a lot more skill customization and spell customization in Dragon Quest nine. There is uh, each uh, I think each class and also each weapon skill uh, and each weapon has a different. Uh, uh, has different side quests attached to them that you can uh, that give that can give you uh, you know special items or special bonuses. A lot of them are in, are in the, uh, uh, the the Swine Dimples Academy after you beat that um, the, the the Magic School story quest. But yeah, uh, it, it, Dragon Quest Nine gets really deep and really weird with um, how its job system operates. Uh, Audra, you played Dragon Quest Nine. You told me before we recorded. Um, was there something you particularly like about it, or maybe a favorite uh, job you had? Oh, I love the um, martial artist combining them with um, some skills from the soldier or warrior class, and mm-hmm. even, I think, some gladiator. I ended up defeating the final boss in about one hit from my <laughs> martial artist, so I really have fond memories of them. Oh, wow, yeah, that's brutal. Yeah, I think I think they were called soldier and fighter in Dragon Quest Three, and then they fixed they changed it to warrior and martial artist for Dragon Quest Nine, just just because you know they had more characters to work with on the on the on the on the DS screen. But yeah, the, those are good standard fighting classes, and and you mentioned Gladiator. Gladiator, I think in uh, Dragon Quest Six and Seven, you had to master martial artist and warrior to unlock Gladiator. But in in Nine, it's its own separate quest and separate uh, separate tree. But um, I, I think there's, yeah, I think you're right. I think there's ways of dealing more damage with the base classes than the advanced classes, depending on your skill setup. Yeah, it was pretty, I had fun exploring the job system in that one. Uh, I just appreciate the punny names of, like, Trip of a Death Time that the martial artist gets. Where it, you there, there's, there's uh, I mean, Dragon Quest is loaded with puns in both the Japanese oh, yeah. and, and English versions. Um like like all of the spells in the Japanese uh, Dragon Quest are automatopoeic words. Like I, I know I know Frizz is called Mera in Japanese, and Mera is the sound of a flame crackling. And uh-huh. and, and it, it's that's, it's just baked into all of Dragon Quest, and the the spell names get can be a little bit silly in the in the recent um, Dragon Quest localizations from say I don't know from 2004 onwards or so. But it it it, uh, it it's more true to what Dragon Quest is than the you know, heal us, heal more, explode at <laughs> spell names from, like, the, from the NES. <laughs> mm. But uh, I really like the armamentalist class in Dragon Quest Nine. It's a, a little bit like a Final Fantasy Red Mage, since, they're, um, since they have, you know, fancy hats, and, and they use swords and magic. But uh, yeah. in, uh, in Dragon Quest Nine, you use that you could use cast elemental emblems on the whole class, like on your whole team, kind of like using a saber spell in Secret of Mana or Second Insetsu Three, and uh, and it allowed you to to exploit ele- enemy elemental weaknesses in the in the basically in the most effective way, and it was it was a good offensive magic and attacking class that I really really liked their elemental skills. So armament, I always had an armamentalist. Uh, Ten we should mention is the Dragon Quest MMO. Uh, <laughs> It, it's been ported to multiple systems by now, but uh, but never in English and never uh, in North America or Europe. Uh, that game also has a race and class system. There's, I think, uh, basically the humanoid class, the dwarf-like class, the fairy-like class, the ogre-like class, and the what and the like mer people class. But 
it, it has a, a job system that seems similar to nine, at least in the choices that you make. But uh, I, I don't know how all of it works. Uh, has anyone here done much research into Dragon Quest X? Because it's been ages since I've done so. No, unfortunately. I just want to play it. <laughs> uh, we secretly wished it would come here, but beyond that... If they made some offline version of it, I would happily play it. But I, I think it's been so long uh, and uh, that I, I would... I'd be shocked if it ever got a Western release. But, I mean, Dragon Quest has interesting class systems, and Ten was definitely an implementation of that. Uh, but we never got there. And, um, incidentally, maybe two of my... two Like, two of my four favorite Dragon Quest games are ones that don't have class systems, but ex except that everyone is already basically a Dragon Quest Three class. And Dragon Quest Four and Dragon Quest Eleven, um, both of which are inspired by Three heavily, uh, Basically, every character is a is a class from three, um, or a job from three. I mean, am I the only person here that's played that's played FF? Uh, I'm sorry, played Dragon Quest Eleven to completion. You are so far, actually. Yeah, I played I'm up for to the Switch version. Yeah, I really I want to play the Switch version. <laughs> I put in eighty hours and finished the main quote unquote story, and I'm planning on getting back to the post game. But now I'm kind of waiting to to see if they'll do like. I'll either pick up on Switch or wait for them to do DLC for the PS4 version. I, I put about 100 hours into the PS4 version and, uh, and beat it, but I'll probably replay it on the Switch because it's, it, it's my favorite game of the whole 2010s, at least. I, I 11, really, really 11 was like great. 11, yeah. Yeah. So that was about 60 minutes of Final Fantasy job talk and 10 minutes of Dragon Quest job talk, which feels about right for the um, landscape of the internet in general. But uh, I, I, don't, I, I don't want this episode to be three hours long, so I think we're going to limit our discussion there. Uh, we might make this like the Battle Systems episode and, um, and do a part two or even a part three to talk about other job systems because, I mean, we've barely talked about any uh, Western RPGs other than our, the two minutes on World of Warcraft I had before. And uh, I refuse to let this podcast die without, uh, without me popping off on Disgaea for six minutes. So those will happen in future episodes, but not right now. But one last question. Um, Peter, I know one thing you love to do is speculate on the nature of Final Fantasy XVI and wish that it, <laughs> and wish that it was turn-based or more fantasy-influenced or basically less like XV. It, um, sort of, it is sort of my aesthetic, yeah. Mm -hmm. So if Final Fantasy XVI had a job system, and uh, Greg and Audra, you're getting this question in a second too, what's, what's oh, one, yeah. what is one class from a previous game that you absolutely want in so that you can make your main character dress up a certain way. Pastry Chef. Got it. All right. The Patissier or Pastry Chef from Bravely Second. Immortalize just, it. Just throwing cakes at people, and now they're weak against fire somehow. Okay. Yep. <laughs> uh, Audra, do you have a pick for a class that you want to return in a, in a theoretical Final Fantasy sixteen? Ooh, probably actually Time Mage. All right. I like their skills oh and their design too. It would be fun. Yeah, they have like the old school conical hat, mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, uh, time mages had all kinds of weird tricks in both tactics and bravely default in second, and uh, and Final Fantasy V. Um, there. Oh yeah, shoot! I didn't even think about time mage. That's the first time it's come up on this episode. That's an interesting skit. Like they'll learn haste and slow at the beginning, and by the end of the game, they're going to be freezing people in place and re and rewinding turns and just just really making life difficult. 
if they can get what's his face, um, Olban? No, uh, what was Sid Thunder God Sid's kid's name? He had that um, crazy like time yeah, stop. It, it was spell. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it, 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 it was Orin. Yeah, it's it's Orin and the the it's called Galaxy Stop in uh in the original FF Tactics. I think it got renamed. Uh, I wish I it got, got renamed. That. Well, I mean, it's an, it it's a, a cool spell. <laughs> It's like a stop and a slow to the entire enemy team or something. It's crazy. You only you only yeah, get a, was, as a guest. You only get a guest for him in one or two fights. Yeah. If okay. uh, if uh, yeah, if they bring that to the time age in the future, oh boy. That would be. That would be awesome. Yeah, that that seems <laughs> Very like that, neat looking. That has to be a limit break or something because if you can just cast that every turn, then it's just game over forever. Yeah, that, I agree with that. It definitely need to be like a special move for them to unlock or something. That's a once and, in a I, and I think his class was astrologer, which is kind, of, which is probably similar to the astrologian in FF14, which mm. has which has some uh, spells like that, but it's not not quite the same as a traditional uh, Final Fantasy time mage. But uh, but Greg, what's one class you want to see in something we've discussed so far in the theoretical FF16? Yeah, I was I was thinking time mage as well, but uh, my runner up would definitely yes. be um, yeah, I'd go with blue mage. Just having the main be blue mage and have them. I mean, I like the the outfit they brought to the blue mages in fourteen. The kind of like scholarly adventure kind of look of like we're going to go out in the field and do field study kind of stuff. So I would, yeah, I would love to have like a blue mage hero. Uh, it would be an interesting way to to make that a thing that people do as opposed to just a random side quest. That the main character just has to be it, and that's the entire caveat of them. It would uh, mm. get you through all the little side stuff. And maybe have some boss fights automatically teach you. Uh powerful blue mage skills just mm -hmm. just so you wouldn't completely avoid you wouldn't be able to completely avoid learning monster skills but the yeah but yeah, but yeah having having it as having blue magic as a major ongoing quest throughout the entire game instead of just thrown onto one character like quistus or kimari i think is a much a much better idea and i think it'd be neat too like you said with uh, having yeah maybe even with the, some of the boss ones too like you get that ultimate move that is more of a limit break kind of situation as well yeah Right, yeah, that makes sense. Like, like either powerful regular skills or limit breaks coming from, uh, for coming from boss fights. That, that, you and I should just clearly design the Blue Mage for Final Fantasy sixteen. I mean, I'm sure they'll hire us. We have a podcast, right? That's all you need to get. Let's hired. call them up. Yeah. Mm, yeah, let's do that right now. Yeah, we, we can find their number on Google. <laughs> and uh, me personally, um, I'm a little bit amazed we haven't mentioned samurai or ninjas in this podcast yet because I, I, <laughs> I enjoy both of those jobs very much in Final Fantasy, but especially samurai. Uh, the, so good and broken. The, yeah, the FF Tactics samurai that has really powerful magic skills that differentiate between friend and foe and are unaffected by braver faith and, uh, and, and a, uh, a really powerful evasion skill that's based on your brave stat. And uh, in FF five, um, samurai are just are just good, strong, armored guys that can also throw money for straight nines damage because that makes sense. And in uh, <laughs> and in FF fourteen, uh, samurai being really stylish damage characters, I love Final Fantasy samurai. I would love to see samurai jobs be something in FF sixteen. But I was saying, I, w I, I would like them to do uh, more of that class as well, because Samurai is a really neat class, and Orin's probably one of the best Final Fantasy characters. Mm, yep. And he, so, he's definitely a Final Fantasy Samurai, but <laughs> yeah. not not from a specific game of Samurai. Was Is is Edge any good in a... I, in the D I've only played the DS version of 4, and in that one, Edge was borderline useless, which sucks because he was one of your permanent party members at the end. Is he better in like any other version of the game? Um, 
He's basically the same in the original uh, Final Fantasy IV, uh, but in the advanced remake and the which is you know also in the complete remake on PSP and I think also on the uh, some of the PC versions of FF4. Um, when you when everyone gets their post game equipment, he becomes much better. Okay. Um, maybe not quite as an offensive powerhouse as as Yang, but uh, they they make him more survivable and make his skills better. That's um, good. In, in, in later versions, yeah. But he is a bit of a weak link in the party at the very end of uh, Final Fantasy IV. Uh, mm-hmm. like, 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 okay, attacker, but just, just takes way too much damage, and the ninjutsu is not nearly as good as black magic. Exactly. That's unfortunate. Because, yeah. I mean, their whole thing is just to be super evasive so they don't get hit very often and then try and deal out the punishment from there. Yeah, uh, evasion doesn't really work great in Final Fantasy IV. I mean, there's... Uh, he he is your fastest party member, but that also just makes him probably just the best item user. Is the is what it amounts to. <laughs> but Saiyan uh, was the samurai in six, and he was solid, but his skills just took so long to build up. Yeah, the, the problem with him is he has low speed and uh, sword tech is slow, but he's he's an okay attacker. Um, pretty sure. good, uh, pretty good you, um, candidate for the merit award if you want to give him equipment to make him faster. But he's, yeah, he's not as good as the other heavy characters, and his magic is, I think, like lowest or second lowest or something, which is too bad. You can't mm. turn him, you can't turn him into a surprisingly good mage like Setzer or Gal. <laughs> um, but okay, the, now if we're talking about Final Fantasy four and six, and I'm, I'm tapping back into my, you know, my uh, my hyper research into those games into in the early two thousands. Then we then we're really done with the podcast. Uh, listeners, yep. thank thanks so much for hearing us jaw about Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest jobs. Uh, I think we will do a sequel episode to talk about more job systems because there are definitely more video games and with uh, cool job systems than just those two series. But uh, that'll have to be for another day because we are done for now. Um, next week we have our part two of our Lufia 2 Rise of the Sinistrals set of podcasts. Uh, that first episode was great, and I'm sure Leona, Zach, and Kat will be fully enthused to talk about the end game of that game. And uh, coming in April, we are having two episodes on East the Oath and Felgana, which is an awesome action RPG from the mid-2000s. I'm looking forward to replaying that, but I haven't started it yet. Uh, and uh, Peter, I think you're going to be involved in a Kingdom Hearts 3 spoiler cast episode in early April, uh, um, but we haven't recorded that one yet either. Uh, is, is you looking forward to that? Looking forward to it very much, Jeff. I've got a lot to say about this one, and I know uh, the other parties involved uh, do as well, so it's going to be fun. Awesome, and that's all that we have planned so far for the podcast. Uh, listeners, if you want to reach us, the best way to do so is via email. Email retro at rpgfan.com. Um, RPG Fan also has message boards, a Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, Discord, Twitch. You can find links to all those things on the front page of RPG Fan, and we have uh, things streaming on Twitch every single day. Um, and RPG Fan is also home to two other fine podcasts, Random Encounter and Rhythm Encounter. Greg, you are the host of the former. Hello. And the uh, the latter has is on a hiatus, but that hiatus may yet end in 2019. We'll, we shall see. Um, fingers li- crossed. Yes, fingers crossed. We shall see. Nothing to say yet. Uh, but listeners, you can also review us on iTunes or Google Play or whatever podcast venue you're using to listen to us. We love all the feedback that you uh, that we can possibly receive. Um, but before we turn off the recorder, uh, let's um, share to listeners how they can reach us. Starting with you, Peter. Uh, if you want to find me, you can reach me at I Have Fury on Twitter. Um, also, you can reach out to me, Peter T at RPGFan.com. Cool. And Greg? 
I'm at Greg Delmage on Twitter and pretty much everything, and G Delmy on the Discord. And Audra. Oh, um, I'm Audra B at RPGFan.com. And, and I have uh, no Twitter. You know, that is, is probably a wise decision, having no Twitter, just saying. I, I, I'm worried that Twitter has turned me into a monster, so I maybe don't be on Twitter. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, save, save yourself, there's still time. <laughs> yeah. Several RPG fan staff members are not on Twitter, and I am jealous of them, frankly. Um, but uh, personally, if you want, uh, listeners, if you want to reach out to me, I am at the Real Monsoon and at Evoker for Dogs on Twitter. I am also Monsoon on RPG fans forums, Monsoon Mike on the RPG fan Discord, and Solosi at RPGFan.com is the way to email me directly. Uh, but that's enough. I mean, I mean, again, I think I, maybe I mentioned this earlier in the episode. I hate job hunting. It's much more comfortable having a job and going there every day than searching for new jobs all the time. So I, I think today's search is over. Thank you. Good night and good luck. Mm-hmm.